Hello and welcome to the Damn Fine Life podcast with Rinku Madan. I'm Gaurav Kapoor and I am here to introduce this show which is a unique and exclusive take on luxury hospitality from across the globe. Now I am fascinated by luxury hospitality just as much as you are, which is why I'm super excited about this show because it's not just about the business of hospitality, but it's also about stories, journeys, histories, insights, a peek behind the curtain, if you may. from the world of luxury hospitality so let's dive straight in powered by sonever resorts and residences marquesi di barolo wines and the lila palaces hotels and resorts brought to you by dan hotels israel shale hotels limited hotel kempinski indonesia fratelli wines and taf reverse your fat in partnership with our season partners postcard hotels a collection of intimate and bespoke luxury hotels hidden in holiday destinations across india and the world the postcard hotels combine luxury with simplicity helping you retreat to a life that is luxurious simple unhurried and filled with rich discoveries easy diner the one stop platform for the most enjoyable authentic and friction free table booking experience instant confirmations and amazing deals on food and beverage in over 150 cities in india and now in dubai too jet hq the world's most trusted aircraft sales with deep industry knowledge real time data and market analysis by dedicated professionals an aircraft brokerage company with headquarters in the united states jet hq's experience and international expertise allow them to serve you 24/7 across the globe in almost every time zone a one stop solution for sale and purchase of pre-owned aircrafts I wanted to actually also ask you how do you know how do you think hoteliering has changed since say in the times of uh, our parents So you know go back 20 years back the general managers ran the hotels they were iconic GMs you know you had Ronnie Lobo at Taj Mahal Delhi you had Pierre Joshem at the Oberoi Delhi you know so if they did a bad job uh, the hotel would not do well the general managers were more iconic they were larger than life personalities when we were growing up and uh, today i believe general managers are important but not half as important as they used to be because today everything is more digital the brand counts for more people will discover there are what you call corporate contracts are even more digital more electronic they're known as rfps in the hotel world called request for proposals where companies sign up for a year so it doesn't matter who's the general manager of the hotel so it's difficult today for a general manager to really stand out in a hotel plus because the industry has got younger they move very fast so they're already looking at their next promotion so they're saying okay i'm going to move from here i'm going to move there i'm going to move from here move to there so that means one it's very difficult for you as a general manager to stand out in a city the second thing is the impact that you can make or break in a hotel is less than 5% so you know at the end of the day the biggest question i always tell people to ask is did i make a difference today yeah means is 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 my job worth it if i'm if i don't come to work tomorrow will it really impact yeah so i think that impact has gone much lower so gms actually um, even if it even if you change the gm of a luxury hotel in delhi means doesn't matter 
doesn't really matter. Somebody else is going to come and replace very fast and do the same job. And revenue may not even move up by 1% or 2%. So I think, one, that's changed. What has not changed is um, the ability to innovate. I don't see too much innovation in hotels. I don't see, you know, we can keep on changing menus and call it innovation. That's not innovation, really. I don't see too much innovation in hotels. I don't see hotel chains, especially the chains which have been in India for a long time, taking risks. I mean, it's the entire startup. Uh, just think about it, Trinko. There's a mini bar in every room. Taj, ITC, and Oberoi should be curating that entire mini bar with all direct-to-consumer Indian brands and taking equity stakes in those brands and saying, okay, we're going to help you grow. In restaurants, I don't see them maintaining data. No restaurant in code today, none. I can I can vouch for it, can tell you how many times have you been to that place. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Today, Amazon can tell you what was your last order. Yeah, and how many times have you ordered from them? But no restaurant in this country can tell you how many times. Rinku Madan, you've come 41 times to Rinku's Pizza Corner. They can't tell you because they don't have the data. So if you're not going to embrace data, and when then you get these outside shocks like what's happened with COVID, which is highly unfortunate, um, then whenever the business comes back, you're still waiting. You know, so the I think the bigger challenge for the Indian hotel and restaurant industry than the way that I see it is, it's become a bit like the Indian agricultural sector that is not growing that fast. The farmer waits for the rains, we wait for the customers. The farmer's got a prayer on his lips, we've also got a prayer on our lips. So agriculture needs to be reformed in this country so that the farmer is de-risked from the business environment. I think hotels and restaurants need to reform themselves so they are also de-risked from the economic circumstances. Now, COVID can't be helped. Of course, it can't be helped. But what can be helped after COVID? Because one day this will end. Even when in the mid middle of the first wave to the second wave or the second wave to the third wave, did you start taking data seriously? What is, the, what is the biggest occasion for you to go out? The biggest occasion for people to go out is their birthdays or anniversaries. Do you have a system where you wish happy birthday to all the 10,000 customers who were born on the 13th of January? No. So then you're, you're not making it happen to you. You know, When we were growing up, Rinko, we heard a saying that God helps those who help themselves. Is the restaurant and hotel industry even trying to help themselves? If they are, uh, then I don't know how. So they are waiting for things to happen. They're waiting for environments to happen. So every time somebody calls me and says, what is your uh, expectation out of the government? And I'm saying, I have no expectation out of the government. They've got other things to do. I always believe in life, Rinko, that you can only control the input. I can do what I can do, but I can't control the output beyond a point because the output depends on a lot of things. Is this belief that, you know, it's too late to start now? I mean, do you agree with this? I mean, there is a time when one should start or it's never too late to start? It's, you know, there's a Chinese saying which says the best time to plant a tree was 20 years back. And the second best time is now. Yeah, because otherwise next year you're again going to lament that you should have planted a tree, yeah, which you didn't. So, so you know, you live, you live according to that. And today morning I was watching business TV and uh, I saw that, uh, you know, the Mind Tree results got declared. Now, Mind Tree was founded by Ashok Suta, I think. He was ex-Wipro vice chairman. And I think he founded it when it was 67, 69. Rai Bahadur, uh, and it's declared amazing results. The share price is 4,000 rupees or something. So if you were in Mind Tree, you would have really made um, like 400 times your money or whatever. So that was him. So starting off at 65 or 69, I don't remember the exact age. Rai Bahadur built his first, Rai Bahadur MS Oberoi, the founder of the group, uh, built his first hotel when I think it was 65 or something. Opened it, yeah, he, he opened it in 1965. So Oberoi New Delhi opened in 65. So so you've still, all of us are still much younger. It means uh, a lot of people ask me, what would you do differently if you had to do it uh, in your journey at Postcard, Oberoi and the entire hospitality stage. I said, you know, I was president for five years. It would have been great uh, if I was president for three years because whatever I had to do, I did in the first three years, really. Yeah? The one thing which was the final 
The final leap really happened due to Jeff Bezos. Uh, and everybody quotes Jeff Bezos and Steve Jobs because it's fashionable to do so. You know, I read his book uh, in his book and he said he was a very successful trader. He was doing very, very well in his career. He had a million dollar bonus. He walked away from it because he asked himself the question uh, on what he calls the minimization regret theory, that you minimize your regrets in life. That if I was 85 and I was just about to die or whatever, I don't know if I'm going to even live to 85, but... But if you were 80, 85, whatever, and you asked yourself, what was the one thing you could have done really well that you did not do because you got you know, caught up with ensuring that your family had enough food on the table or you had a stable job and you had good savings and you had status in life or whatever. So what was the one thing you would regret? Um, so, so do that. So don't regret it because at 80, 85, you can't fix it yeah, because time's gone. So minimize your regrets in life. So for me, it was very important that I said I had to minimize my regrets in life that if I, I always thought I could do a brand. I always said, why can't I create a hotel brand? Or why can't I create a dining brand? Why can't I have social impact just beyond my hotels to, to the entire F&B industry? So when the entire restaurant and hotel industry looks and said, you know, Kapil did a great job of helping us, yeah? And created something nice with Easy Diner and Postcard Hotel. So I said, I can always create brands. So, so for me, it was minimizing my regrets. And that day, I knew I had to go. So how did the concept of Postcard Hotels come by? How did you ensure that this format would be path-breaking? Let me give you some numbers again, because I'm a numbers guy, really, Which and then I look at uh, everything else. So 10 million tourists come to India pre-COVID. Yeah, that number is 10 million. But actually, it's not 10 million. In the luxury segment, I believe it's only 2 million. And in the high-end luxury segment, I only believe it's 1 million. Yeah, so, so out of this 10 million, in my personal opinion, 2 million is relevant. 1 million is very relevant. Indians in India, took 1.8 billion trips. A trip is, I take a bus ticket from here to go to Rishikesh. That's a trip. Assuming that 99% of these trips don't fall into any relevant luxury criteria that I'm looking at and I'm building for, it's 18 million people who are relevant with 1%, 99% people being removed. One, 18 million. Compare 2 million to 18 million, it's a nine times bigger market, but nobody built for it. You know, so Rajasthan was built for the foreigners, Kerala was built for the foreigners. Yeah, that's why high foreign traffic. Nobody built anything for India first. So which were the India first destinations? Rishikesh, Goa, more than anywhere else. But nobody actually built a super luxury hotel in Goa. So our point was, let's go and build destinations. India has, look at what a great job. So if I talk to you about Rinku, I'm going to give you a free ticket to Africa. What's the first thing that comes to your mind, Rinku? The national parks. But India has so much national parks, we've never talked about it. Yeah, we were very happy with Ranthambore, which was also uh, fed with uh, a lot of foreign traffic. So we said... You know, we're missing out mountains. We're missing out wildlife reserves. We're missing out our palaces. Although Taj did a great job with palaces, but there are so many more and so many more other locations. We're missing out our wine estates. We're missing out on art. We're missing out on everything. So, so we said, why don't we create a hotel company which will only open in these areas? So we'll only be in these places. So I can't be in Delhi really, yeah? Unless I really focus on wellness in a very different way. If it's not transformational, we don't want to come to you, okay? So we wanted to create transformational hotels, hotels which created memories. So that's why even if you look at something as simple as a slippers, they are, you'll take them with you because they're so beautiful. They're not cotton or that silk and whatever. They're proper flip-flops, but done very nicely with a plane on it, white color, beautiful. Our, our bags are not paper bags. They are organic cotton bags that you take it. We want you to take a piece of the hotel home. And we kind of rethink everything. Indians like taking toiletries from hotels. Yeah, became a big issue somewhere. We kind of put a take-me-home pouch on the last day and say, we're a sustainable hotels. Our toiletries are world-class. It's the Nergis fragrance. Please put it in this take-me-home pouch and take it with you. Because every time you open that pouch at your home, you'll think about us. So we want you to take a piece of, you know, the hotel home. 
How many rooms are there? I mean, minimum and maximum in your properties? We go all the way from five rooms, which we have in Kochi, which are actually five art galleries all combined to one. But once COVID goes away, we are next to the Jewish synagogue. That hotel will be at 50,000 rupees a night. Yeah. So I mean, just to give you a number, on a good day, our 15-room hotel in Gir makes as much as a 150-room hotel in Delhi. And we like to go to destinations where nobody else has gone really in a significant way. Just look at Tirupati. That's one lakh travelers. And the and the main darshan, in case you can't wait because you really have time constraints or something, it's 10,000 rupees a person ticket. But where are the luxury hotels in Tirupati? Everybody goes to Tirupati. So we are opening up maybe the first super luxury, 800 square feet rooms. And, and out there, we've got three garuds, which have had 3,000 pujas performed there on those garuds. So it's a beautiful, spiritual, absolutely amazing, stunning luxury hotel. So you are also into art. So tell us about that venture. No, it's not really a venture. So I was a, I was a art collector, but like I start questioning everything, I suddenly realized that, um, you know, I was I used to write for the Telegraph uh, on art. I used to write for Mail Today on art. I've written, I've written for a host of international and national publications on contemporary art and collecting art. At one point, I thought, what if my daughter wanted to be an artist? You know, what are the, you know, the chances of making it big in art? is even lower than chances of making it big in Bollywood. Your, your, your higher chances of making it big in Bollywood than being a top artist to even uh, survive in the Indian art world. And, and we come from such a big culture and heritage and all. So kind of came from that purpose to, to get into art and kind of then built a whole program and build the biggest art award and everything. So, But today we run India's biggest art initiative. We, uh, we sell more artworks than all the galleries combined in Delhi in a month, really. Um, we are official partners with Vistara, with American Express. Again, we, we look at different ways to reach out to people. It's a profitable venture. It's doing very, very well. We are making significant impact on younger artists. So people ask me, should I buy a Hussain painting or a Raza painting? And both of them were absolutely amazing masters. But my answer to that is, if your parents did not buy it, then don't buy it. Why don't you support the younger artists who are trying to put India on a different art trajectory? Where is your gallery? Do, do you have a gallery at all? Or is it only online? Yes, uh, so we have um, we have a 4,500 square feet, two-level space in Ladusurai. For a connoisseur that you are, how important is food for you? Everything. I I always say I, I live to eat. Uh, one of the big things I did when I quit from Oberoi because I could eat anything there pretty much, yeah, because when you run a company, and my hotels are not in Delhi because I'm an experiential brand. So I got a chef um, who used to cook for me there also. And I told him, listen, brother, you need to, we need to work together. And he's a very, very good chef, talented chef. So he's at home with me and we keep on experimenting on food. But every single meal, even today that I have is very curated. So I will not repeat food or whatever. And what means, means we kind of discuss every morning what I'm going to eat. Give us an example, example of your food day. Oh, could be anything. Yeah, could be, could be really anything. So right now we've got white asparagus. So we want to do, should we do the white asparagus in salad or should we do it with the pasta? Okay, then um, basically I started organic farming on my farm. So so every produce is organic. So if you really want something light, then why don't I just do a dal soup with a lot of vegetables and, and fresh uh, green onions and leeks in it. Um, I work with, a, in spite of having an organic farm, I support a lot of organic farms because I buy a lot of stuff from them. So I got a lacto-fermented uh, red chili or organic red chili chutney, totally fresh, which will, only, which will get spoiled in five days. So I got it from Tijara Farms. So, so you know, so that'll get mixed up. Uh, I think the pesto that Sorrentino does at Food Hall is absolutely amazing. So I kind of add a spoon to every single salad that I have. Uh, I'm passionate about beverage, uh, especially wines. So, and at the Postcard Hotel, the other thing that we're going to be doing is we're launching our own wine, which will be available in retail. So it's not going to be called the Postcard Hotel Wine. We're calling it 2112. And at your podcast is the first admission that I'm making of launching a wine label in this country. So we're calling it 2112 because that's the code of Baramati, where as a hotel team, and we were there and we were doing a first wine resort where we're building right now, uh, we thought of doing a wine. 
Um, so it's going to be um, an absolutely single varietal Cabernet Sauvignon and an eight Chardonnay. And we are also doing a sparkling, uh, both in rosé and and, uh, and normal. Uh, so yeah, so so we're doing our own wine label, which will be available in retail stores and also at our hotels and also at other hotels. So the whole idea was to was to do that. So I'm passionate about beverages. I'm passionate about food. I live to eat. Means you know, my my, my purpose of life is to eat. What is the postcard philosophy of breakfast? I mean, which is whether if you're traveling for business or on vacation, that is the most important meal, right? So what is the the postcard philosophy? It has to be local. It has to be authentic. Uh, I will not serve you smoked salmon and I'll never serve you croissants because India has 128 varieties <laughs> of indigenous breads. I will serve you Thepla in Gujarat and I will serve you the Pui in um, in Goa. I'll serve you the Mangalore bun in Trasi. But I will not serve you croissants and I will not serve you Western breads for breakfast. I will not serve you Danish pastries or something. They don't belong to our country and our country has absolutely amazing breakfast auctions. So whatever I know of you, generosity is like your second nature, which I mentioned earlier. So what according to you is generosity? It's actually nothing, you know. So I don't think I'm generous at all in, in real terms, really. So I think uh, you've got to look at it a different way. I look at it a different way. So the way that I look at it is that, you know, there are two kinds of people in life. There are the givers and the takers. And at any given time, we kind of isolate, uh, we kind of oscillate between a giver and a taker. Yeah. So my point is, um, there are enough takers in the world anyway. So try and be a giver. So everything that you do, see how you can give before you start taking. So if you start practicing that, uh, it's a sense of, it's a, it's a, it's also gratitude. The kind of the system repays you back. I've always believed that, yeah. So even if it was not repaying you back, means if everybody starts only taking, then who will be giving? So, so I think at any given point in our lives, we should try and say, how can I give first before I start taking? If you kind of start following that philosophy, life becomes easier. Give me one word that would describe postcard hotels. Authentic. Okay, so now we're going to do a rapid fire, which are these short and snappy questions which I'm going to ask you and just very short answers for that as well. So the first question is, what would you like to learn that you haven't so far? So so I asked myself this question three months back that I'm not learning any new things. So I started learning two things. I'm reading everything up on crypto. I'm investing in cryptocurrency just to learn more, not to make money, but to learn how Web3 is different from Web2. Though That's at a professional level. On a personal fitness level, uh, I started playing tennis. So the next question is books or art? Books. So which is your favorite book? So the book that made the deepest impact on my life is a book called The Jungle Rules. It's a story of Dun & Bradstreet software and how it went from bankruptcy to a, to a, to a billion dollar company. Okay, tell us a favorite food or travel memory. The first time after we opened, uh, I was not there on the opening because I was doing the press conference in Delhi. For me, the first time I walked into the postcard uh, hotel in Goa and uh, and they got in a, a craft beer and they got in uh, some of the Goan food um, as, as as bites to eat. And it was absolutely amazing. It was it was very overwhelming as a moment for me. So it kind of stayed with me. I still I still remember that scene. We had done turquoise blue uh, swimming pool beds. Uh, and everything and I was standing by the pool and I was looking at it and I was looking at the lighting and the team just wanted a reaction from me on how how does it look really after opening and I said it's it's absolutely stunning. So that kind of, that entire menu has kind of stayed with me. All my life I think it will stay with me. Okay, any tips for budding entrepreneurs? Uh, just just believe in yourself uh, and 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 be and, and be very clear it's a marathon there'll be days when you'll wake up and you'll be totally depressed so you just have to uh, be very high on perseverance just keep at it a lot of people just give up uh, just keep at it but always have a plan when you're building things uh, the most important thing is speed so patience is no virtue so so keep on building you know and keep on persevering so just just don't give up uh, I means just just be at it whiskey or wine wine 
which is your favorite wine what grape cabernet sauvignon it used to be merlot but now now totally uh, cabernet sauvignon uh, three things on your bucket list i have to travel more i think it's just not even three things i really have to travel more i think uh, i work too hard in my life rinko i'm a very serious guy where while at work like i'm always working you know so so i really need to travel more i think and i really need to enjoy in more and what is your success mantra bye just be passionate just be intense just have a lot of enthusiasm and every day i wake up uh, highly passionate about what i do um, i come to work with a very clear intensity and i and i'm very enthusiastic um, about whatever i do uh, you know otherwise i don't do it it's that simple so if uh, if i if i say that i'm going to do this i'm always uh, very clear that we have to do it well okay and the last question is that describe yourself in a hashtag happy that's a good one that's it i'm just a uh, you're happy i'm just I'm, i always try and be happy that's that's what i try and do it was really nice talking to you really nice okay take care thank you bye bye